What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Welcome to Who Pods the Watchmen, a companion podcast for the upcoming Watchmen miniseries. Did you hear the latest news? I did not. It's apparently a miniseries. Okay. Like one season and potentially done. We don't know because Damon Lindelof said he did nine episodes and he rounded out the entire story to fit as one season. All questions answered. It's a docudrama. Yeah, he's... I think he's a little bit scarred from Lost, and so he's just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer everything you need answered in that same season, so you guys don't you know, throw fits and be babies. I'm good with that. I'm fine with it, too. On Earth, no feast can last forever. Right, right, right. So let's enjoy it while we can. Yeah. So we are a companion podcast to that upcoming show. It starts on October 20th. As of the release of this podcast, if you're listening to the podcast that we're doing, uh, that will come out on October 14th. That's a significant date. Do you know why? 10-1014, Harry Potter's something with Harry Potter. <laughs> it's um, It happens to be my, my wedding anniversary. Oh, okay. Well, but it's got, a, it's got a much more uh, significant uh, date, and that is because that is the day that everyone disappeared in oh, The Leftovers. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, man. Huh. So uh, October 14th, that's when this uh, episode's coming out. Oh, so uh, day. Happy, right. happy Remembrance Day, guys. Yeah. Remember the people that we lost. Uh, we are also going ahead and doing a live stream of this right now over on our YouTube channel. We are testing out uh, live streaming here in our recording studio, seeing how Don't that goes. Don't sell yourself short. I don't know that you're necessarily testing it out anymore. I think you've got it down. <sighs> Man, I don't know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping everything goes smoothly. Well, cool. So I think, have, have you even told people what we're doing here today? Why are we here on this Friday evening? This beautiful, chilly Friday evening. We could be home with the lap dog on our laps, as as they tend to do, in front of the fire, stockings, darning stockings, I guess. But why are we here? Why am I with you and not in the tender embrace of my family? You're with me because we're going to be talking about the Watchmen movie. That's right. So, oh, much, so much better than spending time with loved ones. <laughs> yeah, I, One of the I would greatest so. films of 2009. <laughs> yeah. There um, we go. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we're going to be discussing the... 2009 Zack Snyder uh, movie. Now, here's the thing. Now, I, th- I think I might actually need a beer for this to discuss this film. We have a beer. So thank God we have one. So yeah. Go, so go so you go ahead. Sorry. Go to ahead and crack that open. That is a, it's a Belgian double, I believe, from Pint House Pizza here in Austin, Texas. Are they an official sponsor? No. Okay. Then who, who gives a shit who it is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had it over at the place and I thought it was really good. So I bought a crawler of it. Fantastic. Crack that open if you don't mind pouring me some as well. Yes, sir. Yes, folks. So there is a long and storied and hectic tale of um, development for this film. Watchmen was one of those comics that people claimed was unfilmable. You know how after a a tough relationship, kind of the bad times fade, and maybe 10 years later you'll remember the good times and kind of look fondly on that person? Yeah. It hasn't happened for me, but I'm saying, you know, that's what people talk about in romantic comedies. Theoretically, yeah. Do you think that 10 years, I mean, I just watched this for the first time two days ago, but for you, somebody who watched it ostensibly 10 years ago, 
Has absence made the heart grow fonder? Has has time massaged away those rough edges? Absolutely. I remember leaving this movie and just being kind of eh about it. And going back and rewatching it, I was I was a lot more forgiving and very impressed with a lot of what was uh, accomplished in this. Well, I, we, you, we can't even you know stream a podcast on the right YouTube channel. <laughs> so the fact that he got this out, this is fair fair criticism. Yes, yeah. uh, it it is a very ambitious endeavor because the movie. Uh, I don't know if you know the full history, but this was like immediately optioned, like right at uh, like right in '86 when it was released. Okay, like they were already like, let's buy the movie rights, let's um, option this, let's see if we can develop a script, and it exchanged hands, but through quite a few people, I believe, um, trying to figure out like who might be able to adapt this properly. It struggled. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like there, there was a uh, Bruckheimer decided to do Transformers. Well, I mean, Joel Silver, I think, was one of the initial producers, but he wasn't going to, like, do any of the directing. Um, he was working al- alongside – man, who's a uh, uh, Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam was apparently going to take a stab at this, which is kind of weird. He's the guy who does, like, the Monty Python stuff. Okay. So I'm like, uh, I, don't, I don't know how that was going to work out. But I know that, like, early on in the development of the films, there was there was scenes like The Watchmen were – Flying around the Statue of Liberty, trying to stop a terrorist attack there, and nice. they, they were the team. And someone goes like, "That happened in X Men." Oh my God, it's a goddamn Watchmen, or something is a line. line like, that's perfect. They're actually called the Watchmen. That's the the campy version you wanted. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, with the lunchbox and with everything else. So what could have been like th- that would that feels like even more of Alan Moore's nightmare than what we got here for sure. Yeah, and, and Alan Moore, he he's. A crotchety old bitchy wizard. And it, yeah, I mean, everything's his nightmare, right? Right. Yeah. So, but, you know, I mean, and that's the thing. I think initial impressions here, for me at least, what was bad, and I'm pointing to the comic book just as, you know, my point of reference here, but what was bad about the movie? I tried to watch this movie a million times on, on different planes and flights and everything else, and I think I tried to watch it maybe in 2009. I don't remember. I remember a couple people actually liked it that I respected. You weren't one of them. <laughs> but some a couple right. people like said, oh, you should watch this, you know, and I gave it a chance. I didn't like it. I finally got around to watching it, obviously, a couple days ago because I was reading the comic for the first time with you doing this podcast. And so we waited until the end of that, obviously. And, you know, I'm watching it a couple days ago and I'm thinking, you know, I might I might not love all the casting decisions and I might not love the delivery of lines and some of the acting and everything. But for the most part, it's OK, it's just really stale, and it's just a piece of bread with not even peanut butter or margarine on it. It's just an adaptation that didn't need to be made if they weren't going to do anything new with it. I don't I don't know, you know? Yeah, I, I think that you probably had the same like reaction as I did the first time I saw it, where there was a lot of hype going into it, and then once you kind of see it, you're like... It's a literal translation. It is a it's a one to one on almost everything across the board. There's there's a few pretty distinct deviations, and we're gonna we'll we'll talk about those in a bit. But I, I think for the most part, there's there's already like a, a deep reverence. There's there's the scariness of of geeky fans getting angry, and you don't want to meet their ire. And and if you do truly love this comic, you want to be as like. As but slavishly precise to it as you can. You're completely right. But I just want to – I think if you're making art 
And there's an argument to be made that feature films these days are less and less even art and just a commercial enterprise to, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But if you are, if you consider yourself even a modicum of what you're doing as art, right? Right. Wouldn't you think about putting your own spin on it, even however slight? To me, the filmmaker here, what's his name? Snyder? Snyder, yeah. Okay. He's like somebody who he dreamt of opening a restaurant and he was a great chef and he was going to open his own restaurant. And then he just said, fuck it and bought into a McDonald's franchise. <laughs> it just made McDonald's food exactly the way he was taught at the McDonald's Food Academy or whatever. And he just was slinging out, you know, Egg McMuffins and double QPs. And there's nothing wrong with that. But why even do it in the first place if you want to make your own movie and have your name up there on the silver screen? Why would you do it? So I just don't understand. Again, this wasn't bad, but why was it made? It's like going into a room and you're like, ooh, there's there's not even a draft in here. It's kind of stale. Some people don't read books. Some people don't read comics. But That's it's true. a it's a great story that could theoretically be translated and have the same amount of impact and 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 weight. So if you're like illiterate, we, this is the way to experience the Watchmen. If you're illiterate and you can't read the comic. Right, right. Okay. Uh like, listeners, we just did a 12-part series where we went issue by issue of the original comic, and we broke it down and had a really, like, deep discussion about a lot of the issues that were going on in this. And I found that to be very rewarding. I think it's a it's a powerful, it's an amazing book. And we wouldn't be doing this podcast if we didn't love the source material. So I, I do think there's value in wanting to adapt it and try and put it on there, even if it's going to be a literal one-to-one kind of translation. And uh, But it wasn't even that. Like, he doesn't get the deeper subtext of what's going on because it's too much of, of surface-level uh, pomp. <laughs> Let me just say this. Okay. And this addresses a listener question we had a few weeks ago. I'll just say thank God. Lindelof is not doing a recreation or adaptation of the comic. When I found out that, you know, after seeing this, it just makes me even happier the fact that he's picking up 30 years later and doing his own thing. Right. Not weighed down by the pressure and expectations of delivering what the fans want. Because he can do whatever he wants now, and if the fans like it, they, they, can, they can watch it. If not, they don't have to watch it, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. I just kind of looking back on this now, thank God he doesn't have to deal with this, because that movie, it was just... It was like, okay, it was one of these, right? And I I think I've talked about bad movies I've seen on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. And I've only walked out of one movie in the theater. I didn't necessarily need to turn this one off or walk out of of the bedroom where I was watching it. I say the bedroom where I was watching it. My bedroom. It's not like I'm just going into a random bedroom to watch this movie. What, what you creepy know? ass bedroom? Are yeah, you I like to sneak into the neighbor's house whenever I have to uh, rent something on Amazon, so it goes on their account, and not mine. It does sound like you. Yeah. <laughs> so. I didn't have to turn it off necessarily, but afterwards I kind of thought, ah, oh, you know, I'd rather just like do a puzzle or something. Do a puzzle or look up vacation ideas or anything, really crochet maybe, get into a new hobby. But so I, I, I don't know. And I think we talked about the fact that you saw it 10 years ago. And had you seen it since or was this was there kind of like a 10-year hammock? Uh, yeah, I, um, I hadn't really seen this. No, I hadn't gone back to this. I hadn't gone back to the comic at all. So I hadn't revisited anything. Okay. And so all of this is a pretty fresh and new kind of like reevaluation. Cool. Now, 
I wanted to go ahead and I want I want to jump into talking about the comic, but I I was looking the other day at some of the concept art, and I really thought you know what it would be fun, a little bit funny if we could go in and check out some of the concept art that was going on for this uh, movie. So Paul Greengrass was going to apparently take this on, and he had some interesting looking uh, concept art going on for this. <laughs> Oh, man, folks, if, if you uh, are just listening to the podcast, I pulled up the tiniest image possible. <laughs> Get your uh, magnifying glass out. That is awful. Um, but he had some, like, really futuristic-looking space-age thing where Dr. Manhattan's standing in his crystal palace on Mars, and it, I don't know, it feels more spacey. There's something that's kind of grounded about the mm-hmm. Mars that Zack Snyder did, which I appreciate, I guess. Like, but this feels like the weight of space in this concept Absolutely. art that we're looking yeah, at you see here. That, you see that and feel that expanse. Uh, I saw some very funny looking images, though, of, of concept art that was developed through the years of Rorschach. And that's like Mad Max Rorschach. There is like a Rorschach who looks like angry and his face is like painted on with uh, the, the makeup. And uh, it looks like hardcore gritty. There's another version of this where he's actually... Um, He's got a plastic mask that, like, folds down over top of his face. And he looks kind of, like, metal. It seems a little bit, um, what's that called? Cyberpunk? Mm-hmm. Like a cyberpunk version of it. Here's a, a close, here's another one of, of just the head, the mask, how it folds down. And looking at some of this concept art of other developments. like He's a, what, ch- he's a chimney sweep at the right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When when I see like how other people could have adapted this, I'm like, well, if you put it in that context, this is not so bad. Yeah, and why does he have implants on his forehead? I don't know, like metal implants for it. Like check out these these uh drawings, these sketches for Dr. Manhattan. Like Dr. Manhattan here has um it a looks web like neck. he's web got a, a webbed neck and like his intestines are kind of showing a little bit through. Um it looks like, or like, yeah. Oh, God, I can't see that. That's the Slender Man. <laughs> like, wh- what were they thinking for this? Um, and then I wanted to show you uh, just one more here of Night Owl. There's this Night Owl that <laughs> is wearing this sexy metal armor. And yeah, but like 1989 Clay would have loved that. Yeah, it looks you know? very 90s. Yeah. When I look at like all the different iterations. That's almost a little Black Panther-esque, no? What people were considering when they were doing, like, these sketches of some of these characters. I'm like, well, it's not so bad. It could have been worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's why, that's why again, I, I don't think the movie was bad. I just don't know why it was made if that's all they were going to do with it. Yeah. Maybe underwhelming, but not bad. Anyway. Um, oh, there's the best graphic. Uh, let's go back. Let's go back to that one. Just the back, back to the picture of That's us. That's the best graphic. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have a way you wanted to tackle this? Did you want to go through any categories? Did we have any questions from people? What, what's going on? Uh, well, I need, I need some structure in my life, man. I'm a little lost right now. There are three versions of this movie. There is the original theatrical, which I believe you watched. That's correct. There is a director's cut, which ends up tossing in an extra 30 minutes or so. And then there's an ultimate cut which tosses in an additional 30 minutes, mostly mostly of the Black Freighter uh, animated comic strip. With Gerard Butler. With Gerard Butler. I had seen the theatrical one when it came out, and I did not see the director's cut, but I did actually ask a bunch of people on Instagram, like, which one should I watch? 
and I ended up watching the ultimate, although a bunch of people said, no, you should probably watch the director's cut. Yeah. And they were right because the ultimate does have the Black Freighter comic in there with Gerard Butler. And it adds nothing of value to that movie. It detracts. In fact, it's all these scenes are crowbarred in there, but they're not. They're not spliced in in a way where they're they're drawing the parallels between the story of the comic and the scenes in the movie, right? Like that was a lot of what was going on yeah, with, with the juxtaposition. Which, which I think would be hard to do in a movie. It is hard to do. Yeah. But instead they just kind of – like there's a buildup of a scene and all of a sudden it just drops into the comic going for uh, another like five minutes. Oh, I'm God. like, what the fuck is this? It's oh, awful. God. Oh, yeah. It's really bad. Oh. So you did not miss out on yeah, anything Yeah, yeah, thank God. Okay. Um, but how was the actual animation, though, if you just separated it entirely? Like, would that be its own – would it be a good 30-minute cartoon on its own? It is released on its own. It feels kind of like Spawn or Ugh. something, no, like no, kind of no, no, no. Todd McFarlane-y. I don't no. know. It's It's got some really heavy inking on it, and it's okay. It's really graphic. Mm-hmm. Um, eh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, what about the other 30 minutes that were actual live? Or, or or the hour, or however much it was. See, I'm not actually sure what it, what all was different. There are a lot more scenes, I think, with um, the Bernards. The there weren't really many, if any. Yeah, I, I doubt you even saw them. I don't think it, I saw them. Did you see anything with the top knots? I didn't. And did you see Hollis get killed in the movie? I didn't. Yeah, all of that is added in. Okay. Um, it's pretty much like every scene yeah. from the comic was wedged in there. So I guess the only kind of ancillary or, you know, fringe character we had was the therapist because he made it into the original. Yeah, the therapist – you probably saw as much as I did of the therapist. Mm-hmm. And um, the detectives weren't in there. They weren't a character in okay. any of the extended. Okay. So I was kind of surprised there. Like, oh, no, I'm not following the detectives really. Okay. Um mm. I mean, the only detective we need is Rorschach anyway. Oh, yeah. He's a badass. I'm not in here with you. You're in here with me. And how he delivered that, that was a really good part. Yeah, and I mean, I would actually, you know, if you don't mind, do you think it would be cool right now to kind of talk about casting? Our favorite, our worst. Let's do that. Pack? Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, I think I'm coming at this probably to the disappointment of viewers and listeners as somebody who doesn't know names. I, I think I watch a lot of stuff, but... I kind of read more than anything else, right. and so I'm not somebody who knows names. I'm sorry. So I, I, I'm kind of like, oh, he reminds me from this or that. So just looking at this, divorced from everything else. I'll try and cue you on the names yeah, of Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I rely on you. As best I can. My favorite. Well, damn, that's tough. Can I do toss-up? Yeah. Okay. I think Rorschach was great, and I think uh, Dan was great. I think those were both great casting. Am I, I wrong? No, but I I found that I was a lot more underwhelmed by Rorschach, Jackie Earl Haley, in the second viewing mm. than like I I was completely enamored. I'm like that is a that guy just fucking knocked it out of the park. That was perfect, right? And then I like watched it this time, and I wouldn't necessarily blame him so much as I would blame some of the like directorial choices the the pacing of everything in mm-hmm. this movie it's really slow in scenes where i want it to not be so slow mm-hmm. i want there to be a little bit more of a punch um something about his, his voice just wasn't really jiving for me with how i kind of reread the comic and like envisioned the character i think too with him that's a harder character to nail you know i mean with dan it's pretty easy 
Right. Somebody who's burnt out, doesn't have much going for them, treading water, and then all of a sudden, you know, they put the costume back on and now they're a super, uh, you know, superhero again and they have all this confidence and self-worth and they get the girl. I mean, that's pretty easy, right? Rorschach, there's a lot more going on. So for him, I just thought, hey, they got that actually kind of right. Like, I thought it was kind of believable. You know, uh, agreed. Like tonally, yeah. they nail Rorschach. Right? Yeah, uh, but it just seems like Rorschach doesn't seem like the guy who has patience. Yeah, and yet his line delivery in a lot of this is like him, like really slowly taking his time yeah, yeah, and discussing yeah. sure. stuff. And I'm like, sure. what is going on with like how you're you're saying these lines? Let's 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 crank it up a notch. Let's speed this up. So I don't know. I, I wasn't fully jazzed as much in the second viewing. I still think it's a solid performance. But was he, well, I, I mean, give me your best. I was, gonna, I was about to say, was he your worst? But yeah, who's your best? You know what? I think that like through and through, Dan. Yeah, for I sure. didn't, I wasn't feeling Dan the first time, I feel like. But I went back and watched like what he, what uh, Patrick Wilson does with that character. He's everything that character needed to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's he's a little bit awkward, but he's, he's kind of... Uh, like doping and endearing in a mm-hmm. way, he's he ends up being the real heart of the movie at the end, yeah. which is a another deviation from the comic. Like right. the the end part where he not only witnesses the um, murder no! of of Rorschach, but he also um, goes in and he's the voice of of the everyman who like beats the shit out of Ozymandias once mm-hmm. Ozymandias allows him to. Mm-hmm. Um, and just so that he can give a speech about like you know this isn't this shouldn't be who we are yeah like I'm like okay I buy it yeah yeah I, I yeah. was a lot more accepting of um his character in this movie and I mean I, yeah I mean he was my favorite too and I think that uh, that's funny that we agreed on that I think too for him he had a lot to do and I think he did nail what he had to do but it's kind of like he was like the Alex Smith or are you gonna get the the NFL reference yeah that's a He's 49ers a- reference. Well, yeah, and then yeah, of course, yeah, and now shit, is he? He's, he's moved on, but <laughs> because then you know Kaepernick took over, and then there was the whole thing. But they would always call him a game manager as if it was something bad, and there's not necessarily something bad about that if he does a good job. And I think he just kind of did like what Jack he had Shepard, to do. It's like Jack Shepard, man. Jack Shepard's the best, and everyone gives him a hard time. From Lost? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I didn't give. Him, I don't give him a hard time. Oh man, people are all like, man, Jack Shepard. That guy's just leading people down the wrong path. I'm like, no, man, that guy. He stepped up to the plate. This he's is doing most, the this leadership is most animated role. I've ever heard you. He's doing the leadership role, and he deserves some respect, man. That's a, it's heavy as a crown, man. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. That's you what rem- I'm trying to say. Wait a second. Did you just watch Spider-Man 2 again? <laughs> Far from home? Because they say that, and we just rented that two nights ago and watched it. Hold up. When do I not watch that movie? Did you? Okay, I know this is not a Spider-Man 2 Far From Home, but uh, I watched it for the first time on Thursday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What did you think? It was not the the cartoon one that I loved. What was that it's, one called? It's yeah, it's not Spider Verse, but it's you not. Know, as, I don't even think it's it was as good okay. As homecoming. No, not at all. No. But it was still good. You know, whenever they first made it all about aliens and stuff, I was like, oh, can't we just take this down a notch and just make it about somebody here who's mad, just a regular villain? And they did that eventually. So thank God. Right. I, I'm tired of aliens. I'm tired of extraterrestrial stuff. I'm tired of multiverses. Just give me some baddies. You know, I want my friendly neighborhood Spider Man, and I got it. So, who was your Least favorite casting. Are you ready for that? Uh, You're on. You got so many devices right there. <laughs> I do. I'm like toggling through a bunch of things. My least favorite casting. Um, you can't say Nixon. It's kind of tough because I, I feel like the first time I watched this, I wasn't liking um, Silk Spectre. 
I wasn't liking Malin Ackerman playing her. And hey, what else has she been in? She looked so familiar, and Diana and I were like, "Who is she?" She was on. She was in some other TV show. Doesn't she look familiar? She's just like somebody you would know, like off the street. She was in Billions. Eh, that was on Showtime. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. She's she's been in a couple different TV shows. Okay, I'm not sure other movies that she's been in. But thank you for not saying the word billions like Trump does. Well, I don't know billions and you know billions. Does yeah. he say like like yeah. Montgomery Burns? He does actually billions. Yeah, he always says millions and billions with like extra syllables. Okay, so so what, what are we pulling up here? Oh well, I had actually posed this question to uh, our Instagram audience mm-hmm. of what was your favorite performance, and so I thought I'd just kind of run through and see what people were saying. Yeah. One person says Jackie Earl Haley because of the intensity he brought, but Patrick Wilson brought subtlety, which, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Another person said Patrick Wilson, which I, I'm surprised. Rorschach, Rorschach, uh, Mike Moody says nobody. <laughs> I think okay. he does not like this movie as much. Um, a couple people are saying uh, Dr. Manhattan, Billy Crudup's character. Fucking um, kidding me. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Well, I, I think, yeah, let's go ahead and get it, into was, that. Was it opposite day? No one put Malin Ackerman. Uh, and okay, again, I don't know any of these names you're saying. My least favorite performance was Ozymandias. I don't think Matt, M- Matthew Good was uh, the character to play Ozymandias. His last name is Good. Yeah. Well, that's funny because that was awful. It was bad. It should right? be Matthew Bad. Matthew <laughs> Sad. Like a Trump tweet. We're just going back to Trump. It, Got him. Yeah. Zing. No, it was just. <laughs> I just don't know what what did he add again? Like, what did this movie add to the comic book? What did he add to the movie? I have no idea. At first, I was actually going to say Dr. Manhattan was my least favorite casting. Mm. But I actually think he worked after a while because he was supposed to be someone who was a little bit aloof. hesitant to do anything and aloof. Yeah, so his I, I kind of thought, oh, you know, his voice is a little bit not what I thought it would be, etc. But it actually kind of works because that's him. He's right. not some giant, oh, what are, you know what I mean? He's not an imposing figure. So I kind of thought, okay, I'll give him a pass on that because maybe he's doing what he's supposed to do. But you're right. What did Ozymandias add? It was it was milk toast. It was fucking milk toast. His I don't know what that dude's accent is, but it was everywhere. I was like, "Are you Australian? Are you British?" It was like he was Sometimes recreating that weird transatlantic thing from the 1930s. You know, it was bizarre. It was such a weird accent. Yeah, he's watched too many old black and white movies when they do that bullshit fake American accent. I just I I don't think I like how that character was depicted. In its entirety. And, and you know what? In 2009 – I mean, no. We had CGI back then. But in 2019, I think that would have been maybe so much better. Right. Just the whole layer and all that stuff. I mean, they obviously threw a shit ton of money at this. Just getting the licensing for the Dylan song, baby. I mean, that was the best part of the movie was listening to Bob Dylan. But they could have done a better job with the whole layer. They could have better done a better job with his office. They could have done a better job with him overall by selecting a different person and bumping up what he was doing. I don't know. I, I agree. That was awful. Did we, Wait, did we talk about agree on best and worst? I think for the most part we Jesus. did. I was going to say in regards to Dr. Manhattan's character. Yeah. When I, when I was first watching the movie, I wrote down Dr. Manhattan voice too high and gentle and relatable. Exactly. That doesn't make sense for this character. He should be kind of talking in a, like a monotone robot. Like just, he doesn't understand. He doesn't really have time for people, but he still just, he felt too relatable. And I was like, I'm not sure if I'm feeling that. And, you know, it turned out that once we got to his backstory, once we got to um, his kind of tripping through time and he's back on Mars or whatever, and he's he's going through like, this is my history. Suddenly I was like, yes. Yeah. 
I'm I'm with the character. I like that that soft earnestness and that Ooh. voice, and yet he doesn't give a shit despite sounding like he yeah. might. <laughs> you know, in a way, it kind of worked better for me after that part. Watching him, I think there's <clears throat> there's probably two famous dolphins in media. The third would be Echo the Dolphin, the, the old PlayStation game, or actually that was a Sega game, I guess. There's two famous dolphins, Flipper. Mm. And then what was the other dolphin? We're about seven or eight years old at this point. It's a movie about people who are exploring the deep sea and they can oh, talk to a dolphin. Yeah, Dan Marino. Um, <laughs> what? Is that the other dolphin you're talking about? They named that dolphin Dan Marino? No, Are you I'm doing kidding. a Ace Ventura reference? Dan Marino. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know what other dolphin. Echo and... Uh, okay, there was a dolphin flipper. where they were living in an underground sea observatory. It was called... It wasn't Sea Lab or something, but they were living there. Okay. And they're exploring the depths, and there was a dolphin they could talk to. And it would just come up, and it would help them do things. It was kind of like Lassie, but underwater. Okay, okay? It was a collie, but underwater. It would come up, and it would do stuff. And they would love it. They would pat it. It would talk to them, you know? Yeah. That's what this guy was like. He reminded me of this little friendly dolphin who would just come in and then he just pops into a scene and he goes, ah, and then he leaves again and splashes underwater. We all think, oh, that was a gentle creature, you know? He's like a little kid who's, it's like Damien, but when he's like soft and gentle and like he doesn't seem to have the concept of his power and like he doesn't have the intimidation that should go along with it. Precisely. You know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm ignoring the penis here. No, you're not. <laughs> you are not ignoring it. I'm thinking it. <laughs> of a little blowhole. So I'm not thinking of behind that us is a, a picture of Dr. Manhattan, and if you can see close enough, there's Those there's are some nice quads. He's a triathlete. Here's the thing: if you read the comic, he's not that hung in the comic. They they cast the actor who's the body. There's a body double guy, and that guy actually just died. I think uh, this past month. Gigant- so, gigantism. The, Too much blood rushing the other way. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Dr. Manhattan body guy. Just died. Interesting. Um, oh, so they actually used – oh, because I didn't know how they actually did that. Yeah, they grafted Billy Crudup's little face onto this big muscle man's body. It wasn't really that much of a muscle – was he really a muscle man? He wasn't – like he was just like a naked, pretty fit and trim dude. Here they got a jacked dude for the movie. Yeah. And it's funny because even when you look in the flashbacks, he wasn't this ripped. But when he decided, oh, I can remake my own body – I'm going to make myself super muscular. Precisely. That's, and that's what, what I was thinking. Like, why does he need to be, like, strong with muscles if he's strong with tachyons? I'm gonna oh, make, whatever. I'm going to make myself a schlong. I'm I mean, going to be completely hairless because girls like the Except for ball. his eyebrows. He, he grew in eyebrows. So he's, he's making some editorial choices here, right? He grew in eyebrows. He doesn't have the hair anymore. But um, he also decided to have, like, some dark things going around his eyes for some reason. Yes, he, he has two kids under the age of five. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just tired. I can relate. Yeah, I think he just stays up too late. Yeah, he's just tired. Ah, so tired all the time. Yeah, sad eyes. Yeah, no. So, so I, at first, I did not. I think. I mean, it's funny that we've agreed on this, and usually we don't agree about anything. That's why we're you know at least in the top three of each other's best friend lists. Yeah. Um, just because it's kind of like we can't ever be number one because we can't agree on it's it. It's kind of like hate fucking. You know, we just we just <laughs> love to hang out because then we have. Angry sex. Um, That's not how we need to oh, describe it. <laughs> oh, okay. So, okay. Uh, what What about some of the, the other characters? Like, I think we could say that the worst casting oh, yeah? was Silver Spectre's, was the original Silver Spectre. Carla Gugino? Am I, did I just go, did I do something ah, wrong? Well, I love her. I don't know. I love her in everything. What did she, she add? 
I think she's great as the was she believable? The bombshell who yeah. What what's her real age? Because I was watching this thinking this she's is a fucking chameleon, man. This I, is somebody who isn't that old, and her voice was not old. like I know somebody. Oh, like her playing the older version of her. I'm like eh. that. That's what I'm saying. That was a joke, and that's like one of my least favorite things. If you're going to make the effort to put on face makeup, at least make the effort to change your voice a little bit or do a little more with some gray hair dye. I fucking hate that. Otherwise, why not do it? Or I mean, I'm sorry. Otherwise, why do it? We can just, if we're pretending anyway, let's just pretend with the actress as she originally is. So I guess that was my problem. I just didn't like it. Right. Well, I, I loved Matt Furr as Moloch, uh, the guy with the pointy ears, the bad guy who has cancer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I just love that actor as well. Cool. Uh, Max Headroom, he's, he's been in some other stuff. I think it was in The Burbs and some other movies. Uh, okay. Uh, I should not refer to The Burbs as the first thing I come up with for Matt yeah. Furr. Come on. But he's in a ton of stuff. He's uh, one of those bit actors that just does a whole bunch of background stuff. He's a working man. He's a working actor. Who do you think is the character what, who, who do you think is the best working man? Who's the best working man? Because I have my answer, and I'm somebody who doesn't watch nearly as much stuff as you. And I don't even. And the thing is, I don't even know if he's a working man anymore. But I still think he is a working man. Go on. Initials J C R. J C R. John C. John C. Riley. Yeah, absolutely. Yay, I got it. I mean, you know, my bumper sticker is J- Jesus Christ is my rock star. So <laughs> that's, that, that's where you were thinking of J C R. Because you were talking about oh, you're thinking about my Lord and Savior. Yeah, no, I'm talking yeah. about John C. Riley. That guy to me. He pops up in things. It's like, does he take a day off? He just loves to work. And every time I see him, I'm like, I'm better for it. Right. You know? Give me well, yours. Uh, man, um, Samuel L. Jackson. Is he too A-lister for me to say he, a working man? He's way – I mean, if John C. Riley is, he's, he's – yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's A-lister now, but look at that guy's You're right. IMDb. He works. He works. Yeah. He's got so many creds. Does he have a do, – do either of those people – do either, either of those individuals, do you think they have a happy home life or are they away on the road too much? Ch- I don't know. Chasing I, that, elite, I actually chasing think that, that white whale. I thought Samuel L. Jackson does. Um, but I also think he just nev- doesn't know how to say no to a role. <laughs> so yeah. and, there's like, a, and there's nothing yeah, wrong I'll with do it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> Why not? He, he's great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's go ahead and uh, let's jump back to talking about the movie. So I want to talk about – like we've already gone through – this let's 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 take an overall impression first off. Did you like the movie? How about the, just that question? Did you like it in itself? No, I did not like it, but I didn't like it. And I'm sorry to answer that as a lawyer would with choice C when you gave me A and B. But like, I just didn't under again. I didn't turn it off like I've done with other movies. I didn't move on to the next thing. I actually watched it. I know it was a homework assignment, so I had to. But. I didn't enjoy it. And I, for me to like something, I have to at least enjoy it or learn something from it. Sometimes, you know, like, look, you can either like something because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. There's, like, there's like a hedonistic aspect. Or you can like like something because you learn something. Like no one likes going to the fucking Holocaust Museum. But we learn something so you can say, okay, that was valuable, right? right. That was a valuable part of, uh, you know, time that I spent doing that. This, I got neither hedonistic pleasure or any education out of it. So I did not like it. That I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. What about the sex scene to Hallelujah? <laughs> yeah. That's not even my favorite version of the song. And that speaks that? that speaks to this movie. That's not even my favorite version of the song. If I had to pick a worse scene from this movie, 
It was that. And you know what? Uh, but why couldn't they have used Jeff Buckley? Why couldn't they have used Buckley with the, the kiss starts? His voice is higher. It's fucking beautiful. That would be beautiful. He's kissing. Hallelujah. I've kind of fi- found myself, and now I'm going to be a man. Two and then superheroes fucking in a uh, Night Owl's Archie thing? No. I Like, it's not a good song for it. But I, then it they used, so like, what was weird. it, like Leonard Cohen? or I mean, what the hell was going on? <sighs> man. No, it was um, a sad day when that happened. I would say that was the worst scene of the movie for me. And you know what? Um, Malin Ackerman... Uh, who's up here on the screen right now? Wait, wait, wait. The name is what again? Malin Ackerman. Ma- wait, wait. You're just saying you're, you're just a bunch of syllables. Malin. Okay. That's her first name. Ackerman. Okay, thank you. And she played Silk Spectre. She, I thought. Uh, you found the worst photo of her, by the way. <sighs> it, the, yeah, I did not grab Getty it. Getty images. <laughs> <laughs> I got all. I, I, I need to prep a little bit better and get better images next time. Yeah. Um, but she. Uh, she she was okay throughout the movie, right? Then when I saw the sex scene between her and Patrick Wilson, she was great in that sex scene as far as acting. Yeah. He was not. <laughs> like, you don't like the way he has sex. I did not like how no, 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 he say did it. the scene. You don't like the way he has sex. I don't like the way he has sex. Right. Okay. So what did you not like about that performance? Uh, I don't know. He felt, I guess maybe this is true to character, but he felt very stiff, very awkward. Well, that was, that's better than what happened on the couch when he wasn't stiff. <laughs> All I mean to say is, she was. let us she, not judge lest our performance be judged. She felt like she was actually having sex. Like she did a performance where I was like, I buy it. You're yeah, in yeah, this yeah. Scene. Right, right, right. Him, it felt like he's like, thrust one. But have two. you ever seen give a sideways head look? Have you ever moan. have you I ever seen know. have you ever seen dancing? Like when you watch people dance, we're just placeholders. Men, we're just there so the woman has someone to spin around. I mean, you know, and I don't mean so we're spinning her around. I mean she's spinning around us and she's I mean, that's life. Well, what are you doing in the bedroom? I guess not the right thing. I don't know. I guess Phone I need to get in. mirrors or something. I mean, geez, I need to step it up, get get acrobatic. Okay. Yeah, let's move on. Speaking of acrobatic, yep. There is a scene um, where they are charging through the prison when they're doing the prison break. Right. That was that was cool. It was cool. There's a lot of great hallway fight scenes out there. And in fact, uh, now that we have Marvel um, over on Netflix, they did all their series of uh, Daredevil and Iron Fist and uh, Luke Cage and all that. Okay, the Daredevil hallway fight scene was kick-ass. And the, the fact that I can say that, and you know what I'm talking about, shows how kick-ass it was. It was that fucking was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. It, it 100% was. And so when I see this, I'm like, it's, a, it's, an, all right, it's an all right fight scene, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that. But um, that said, it was, it was pretty good. And watching them do all their flips and everything, I was just thinking, man, I am so old. I threw out my back this week. <laughs> I threw out yeah. my back this Mowing week. in the yard. Picking up uh, my daughter's hairbands <laughs> off, oh, off of well, the carpet. You know what? <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Andrew bro? Bogut. Andrew Bogut. Uh, the year I think the Warriors won their first title, he threw out his back like 10 games into the season. And he's had a, he's had a storied history of – he's an Australian basketball player, by the way. Right. He's had a long history of injuries. And he was healing from an injury. And then he reached down to pick up his gla- sunglasses or something and threw out his back. And he was out for another 20 games. And for somebody who makes like $25 million a year, 
he like reaching down to get his glasses, he just gave away like five million. I mean, NBA salaries are guaranteed, but the, but you know his team's right, right, like, right. come the fuck on. But no, I think that also goes to the point of I think you either asked me before the show or or on air, was this an action movie? And the fact that I enjoyed that hallway scene so much tells me that it wasn't an action movie because that action wasn't even that great. But I was like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, superheroes, let's let's go. You know, there's, and there's such weird, like over the top, gratuitous violence that happens, like kind of out of left field for this movie. It's it it didn't feel like it was. Well, you know, they got consistent the, or necessary. They they drank the Sin City juice. It was like that weird Frank Miller kind of movie thing, right? Where it's like, why did a why did a fist go through the wall? Why did a fist need to go through the wall? This is okay. There's a few different things that are big deviations, and let's go ahead and jump into it. Some of the big deviations. The um, they talk about there being one superhero. Hollis Mason even says the first superhero. But why the hell are Ozymandias and comedian and uh, Night Owl and Silk Spectre all punching holes through brick walls? Every yeah. single one of them does it. It's it looks awesome and it looks cartoony. And is this a Scott Pilgrim movie or is this the Watchmen? I mean, what maybe, is this? maybe they have like these steel, like steel-toed boots, but like steel knuckles. I mean, I, maybe it's something like that. Because we and know, we like uh, a robotic sleeve that like can yeah. handle the impact. No, I mean it's it's ridiculous. I'm just trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, it's it, it didn't make sense, and I don't know why they had to do it. Sometimes I think like less is more, and less could have been more here. We had a great debate about Ozymandias catching a bullet, and then this movie. Removes all doubt when he dodges bullets left and right. Was that a great debate? We had a debate. We had a debate. Yeah. Uh, That was, again, I'll I'll say this too, just just to kind of give some context and preface this statement. Okay. I watched this when I was home from work with a fever, and we don't need to go in anymore. There was some GI stuff, but let's leave that. Let's leave that off air. You know, I shouldn't have brought it up. Fair. I'm watching this with about a 101 fever going not necessarily in and out of sleep, but I'm not paying attention the whole time. And I had to go re- rewatch little parts. I'm kind of dozing, you know, off. Right. And I see that and it was full alert. It was all <laughs> hands on deck. Why in God's name is he doing that? What's going on? If, if he's doing that, then why isn't he doing everything else? And if they're punching through walls, why aren't they doing so much more? I don't understand any of it. It's, it's inconsistent, and the violence is so dramatic and over top. Like, uh, the, it, it's one thing to, like, shoot someone, but to have, like, all the fingers shred off and blast apart. Um, they have one scene where it seems like they're like, Let's kill Leah Iacocco. We just we gotta we gotta fucking kill that guy. And so they blast his hand, blast the leg, and then they put a bullet straight in the head. I'm like, I thinking that guy's dead. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> like, probably did, so. It, was that the guy you hated the most of those guys? Fair enough. I just it it didn't feel like it. It definitely doesn't feel tonally like this. The the comic because the the comic does. Violent things, but it doesn't seem to relish in gratuity. And if and when it does that gratuitousness, yeah, well, no. And when it does that, when it go, when it does go too far, it knows to pull back. Right. And it knows that it, you know, I mean, I don't know if it knows at the time because we're looking back on it with thirty five years right now. But like, it does it for three or four panels. And of course, also Alan Moore's working within this sweet nine panel frame that he was using so often. You know what I mean? So it's like 
he has these limitations in place already. He has 28 pages, 28 times 9. I mean, he's going to have a couple splashes, whatever. But he he's limiting himself. And whenever Snyder does this, it's like, was he just thinking? I mean, that, okay, and that gets to the heart of it for me. This movie was so bland, so boring. He's editing it, and he thinks, okay, Spider-Man 2, Far From Home. Mysterio goes, eh, double the damage right there. Remember, they're like, they're yeah, doing whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I've only seen the movie once. I don't, I don't, but he's like, double the damage. That's what Snyder did. He's probably like, oh, yeah, let's blast a finger off here. That's going to be cool. You know, and it's like, dude, you're just coloring by numbers. You're thinking, oh, let's get let's get a PG-13 rating. It felt like there was a bit – there's a degree of embarrassment of how slow this movie is. And I, I think it's wanting to have both worlds. You want a, a an action-packed action hero movie and you want the, the moody, analytical, even to a degree existential analysis yeah. that's going yeah. on in, in Watchmen. Like it's – it's it's a deep and and brooding uh, crime comic. It's it's not necessarily Crimea, Crimea, Crimea comic. Crime, crime yeah. comic. Crime. Yeah, uh, it, it's not necessarily a a superhero. It's not a well, beat em up action. Superhero and that's event. a good point. Let's you know hindsight's twenty twenty, and we obviously. I mean, I think actually you've done a lot of great things in your life, you know. But what su- like let's think about other superhero movies that were out back then because now the genre has exploded and really that's the only thing that's going to make money these days because it can get sold to China and people around the world are going to buy it mm-hmm. although you know and now China's going to censor it and make sure nothing is too crazy about there crazy you know there but let's just think about what else was there in 2009 i mean i think back then right the, the x-men were out uh with beast and kelsey grammer we had spider-man didn't we have spider-man back then uh, like, like the 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 Toby whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what else do we have? Because all I mean to say is, you know, the the now superhero comics can come out, and you can really take some liberties and do stuff like really creative stuff. Like even think of um, Deadpool. You know what I mean? Mm. Like pretty, like really funny, really well done. It's still a superhero movie. I don't think it's necessarily wow, this great like like piece of art, but wow, it's really enjoyable. They're doing something cool. Fourth wall breaking, fun. Yeah, stuff, yeah. yeah, totally. You know, and really creative and inspiring, and and well, not inspiring maybe, but inspired. Mm. This. Where were they? I don't think well, – I think when studio execs are like greenlighting this, they might be thinking, what is this? Where does it fit with other movies right now? I mean, fuck, we're just trying to make Notting Hill. We're trying to see if – like we're trying to like see how much Hugh Grant can make for us. Do they really care about this and do they know what it was and did Snyder know what it was? I mean you said he had done 300. Right. Right? I mean like these days they would just have Jean Favreau or whatever do it and it would be great. You know? Very interested to see The Mandalorian come up. Um, there, Yeah. <sighs> I was watching just earlier today this behind the scenes of like how they wrote The Office. Mm-hmm. And they the were Amer- the American one? The American one. And they were talking about the Michael Scott character, Steve Carell, and how the in the very first season they did six episodes for the first season. It's a really short season. When they made it, they didn't get great ratings. It was actually if, if you watch that first season, it feels a lot different than yeah. the rest of the show. It's restrained and kinda awkward. Yeah. But what happened during the off season is that Steve Carell's movie, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, came out. And suddenly that guy blew up, and everyone loves that guy and wanted uh, – and then they, what they got was show notes from the execs. And the execs were like, here's what you need to do to adjust this. You need to add a little – like 20% more heart to the Michael Scott character. Make us – like you can still have him be awful and, and tone deaf to everyone else and whatever – 
but make there be a little level of redemption. Make yeah. it make him a little bit more lovable than David Brent yeah. on the the BBC, which version. works really well with British humor, but not so much to American audiences. And, where it just is really grating. And they were dead right. Yeah, like whereas like you get show notes about like I wonder if the show notes they got for Watchmen. Let me tie this back. <laughs> yeah, um, is that they were like, you know what? This is still going to be marketed as a superhero movie, and among the competition t- in 2008, we just had Iron Man come out, mm-hmm. and then um, we are also now coming right up into competition with Thor and Captain America, and like these are, and then we just had all the Dark Knight movies as well. So this is the expectation. These are. Kind oh, of that's what we're right. dealing Dark with. Dark Knight. Like this this is the tone of what movies are going coming out right now. So if you're gonna present a superhero movie or a movie that involves superheroes, we need you to punch up those scenes. Yeah. And they need to have that bang. You need to blast through We all need to the... see bricks crumbling. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a mistake. It, of course. It absolutely was. It it undercuts the very human element of these people being completely out of their depth. Uh in fact like we okay, we need to talk about the other big deviation, the end, and what they do with instead of having the big monster, the big tentacle monster, uh, Ozymandias actually plays it up that they don't need an alien from outer space. They need the alien that's here at home, who's Doctor Manhattan, which I think is actually a pretty clever approach. Yeah, um, for them to do that. Then why did they do that? Uh, yeah, well. Did they run out of money for the the tentacle monster? Well, I think it would be a little bit weird. Was this like Game of Thrones where he says goodbye to Ghost from afar? And we're like, (laughs) pet your dog that's running to battle with you. And he does it because I guess it was expensive? Bye, Bubastis. God damn. (laughs) Jesus. No, I I mean, I think that it was a matter of it being just easier. And maybe it made a little bit more sense. Yeah. Like, if you just drop a tentacle monster... That is so out of left field and so surreal in the rest for the rest of this world that they've constructed. And it requires a lot of silly explanation, right? You would have to have a director's cut. You would have even in the director's cut, with all the other stuff that he padded out there, there was no mention of all the people on the boat working on a monster. There was no artists and a secret island mm-hmm. and all of that other backstory. Like that's another 15, 20 minutes of just trying to explain how one even comes up with this, how one has to justify it. We have a telepathic child that's killed and the brain's implanted. Right. What is with that weird shit, too, that, uh, like, Alan Moore's, like, oh, psychics are real. It's 80s. (laughs) It's the the 80s, man. Uh, So, like, there's all those elements that they were able to just side cut, I think, by going, wait, we already have our alien. Our alien Mm. is this jaded and disassociated um, Dr. Manhattan character who has godlike abilities. And if he's just – we make him into the villain, like that's – he's a perfect fall guy. And if he's made into the fall guy after the fact, he won't care because he also – he still doesn't care about humanity. Yeah. So I thought it was a really clever approach. Like let's let's go ahead and bomb millions to save billions as he says. Um and in that regard, that one sold me a bit more, especially on on rewatch. It's because you're you're a thirty, what are you thirty six year old man? I'm a thirty six year old man. It's because you're a thirty six year old man. Yeah. If you were a, if you were a twelve year old, you know, target audience, you would have wanted the tentacle monster. But yeah, no, I, I wanted I th- the tentacle monster when I saw this movie, 
12 years, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, 12 years ago, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, th- I think you're right. That actually made sense to me a little bit. It still did not make the movie any better, but I kind of thought, okay, that at least there's a reason to it maybe, you know? We can ascribe some type of logic to that, and I don't know that we could ascribe that to the other changes that were made. Well, I also discussed this a little bit earlier, but um, I'll, to revisit it, I did really appreciate how tightly or how much better they handled the the final climax in this than in the comic. Like, in the comic, remember, it was, like, really rushed, the conversation. Like, yeah. he, he kills a bunch of people. And then, like, suddenly the this is why the I do it. You're good, right? By Ozymandias. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, we have to do this and go along with it. And then Night Owl's like, shrug, okay. And I didn't buy it. Yeah. I didn't buy that uh, Ozymand- or that Night Owl would just, like, go with the flow and be like, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't buy that Silk Spectre would go unquestioningly. Dr. Manhattan, sure. I get that, like, he's so analytical. He would process it and go, yes, this is the only plan. I'm going to have to go with it. Um, but... Rorschach, of course, being defiant makes sense. It didn't make sense for those other two characters. And yep. how they how they address it here, it's it's accepted that not only will um Night Owl and Silk Spectre they'll they'll not they'll not make waves, right? That's yep. what's going on. Yeah. They disagree with what happened. They think it's atrocious. But they're not going to make waves. They're gonna. They'll hush, hush. They'll play the game if that's what they need to do because the damage is done. Mm-hmm. But Rorschach, of course, won't. So that's why he had to be dealt with. And I thought logically that made sense how they they played that whole ending out. I liked it. I agree. I, th- I thought it was great. I think that we actually saw some emotion. We're in a lot of agreement here. Yeah, today. I like this. This is nice. You know, in the fact that we already, we already talked about this, but Dan shows some emotion as well. After Warshak's kill, and it was so needed. It definitely was, and it just made sense. And you know, it was it was kind of contrived, but like it doesn't matter because it was needed. We didn't have that in the comics, so yeah, okay, cool move there. Let me ask you this, okay? Best, or I don't know about best, most enjoyable surprise. The musical choices. It's okay. a it's a bit of a mixed bag because okay. I yeah. think that. You don't like to have sex I, to Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I didn't care for that. Or one. maybe you do. But you don't also like to watch others. I don't like the uh, composed music mm-hmm. on here. I thought that like it is kind of awkward through most of the movie. There's the part where Rorschach is giving his uh, speech about Pagliacci or whatever the mm-hmm. the clown that cries, um, and the background music and his whole line delivery is awful. It was awful in that scene. He's so slow about it. It doesn't feel like he even believes what he's talking about. It's just like I'm reading a script almost. Yeah, yeah, There's, yeah. It's, it's a guy telling a joke that doesn't even seem to find the humor in the joke. I, it's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't like that. I didn't like the background music that was going on there. There's one part, though, where Silk Spectre gets into Night Owl. And while she's in there, there's like suddenly this like really funky synthwave 80s riff that's going on that's not oh, matched yeah, anywhere yeah, else yeah, in the yeah, movie. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I don't know what's going on with the background music, yeah. but I'm digging it. No, for sure. And it was like, are we watching like The Explorers or some shit? Like some 80s movie? I'm Is like, this, this is early cool. daft punk? And then yeah. that's not replicated anywhere else throughout the yeah. movie. But when, okay, when again, I said, again, it's like, why are they making these choices? They're throwing this stuff together and there's no real vision. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, so, ahead, so, so when you said, like, big, biggest surprise. Um, or best surprise. Or best surprise. Like, I I didn't like 
that a- aspect, but the actual music tracks that they yeah. put in here, it's a great soundtrack. Yeah. Even, even Hallelujah, if it's a Leonard Cohen version yeah, or whatever totally, it is. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, that's a great song. Like, yeah. All those choices are awesome. Like and, how that played into the intro was and, I mean, I thought that – I mean, Dylan's obviously – I mean, I, I'm not going – I'm not making waves here by saying he's like a top four of all time. You know, for me – You love Dylan. I, I do love Bob Dylan. I think everybody does, right? But like, yeah, that was fun to watch just because it was kind of like um, – that intro was almost like watching Forrest Gump. You know, it's just like fun to kind of watch that Americana and listen to something like that and think about like the 60s or whatever. Right. That was cool. Um, so I, I did like that. For me, my biggest surprise or my most enjoyable surprise was actually seeing – and this is stupid – but actually seeing the colors change on Rorschach's mask. That was cool. I actually thought that was really interesting and I didn't understand. It was another one of those His things His mask where, looked great. Yeah, it really did. And like actually looking at some of the early prototypes, which I hadn't seen before. So thank you for showing those. <laughs> but I'm like, OK, I'm really glad they, they did this rather than like a, a welder's mask that they had up for him earlier. That welder's mask is so awful. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, this was really cool. I still – it's kind of one of those where I don't know how they did it necessarily. You know, maybe you could say that it's just the way the light hits it. I'm trying to like, you know, like logically do this. But um, – it was cool. It looked cool. I liked whenever he was blown up at the end, how it was this also kind of a Rorschach mask thing. Right. It was cool. I liked that. I, I think they really paid a lot of attention to Rorschach, um, at least visually, and I thought it really worked. You know what? There's this one little um, element that you didn't see because you didn't watch the ultimate cut. But in it, in the Black Freighter story, when he makes his ship, he unfurls his, his flag for his little um, raft, rather, whatever, mm-hmm. and the raft has a distinct Rorschach symbol on the sail and i was looking at that and thinking was there supposed to be some sort of symbolism of (laughs) rorschach being this this guiding force that was going to bring salvation like but 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 change you at the same time yeah you're going to go through some change but rorschach's going to be the the mechanism the vehicle that kind of brings forth the the uh the hope for salvation, even if ultimately, I think you're overthinking this. I I, I do, but I was like, why did they put this the Rorschach symbol on that? I think it was just. Easy. And again, it's because Snyder's like, wait a second, we've thrown this three minute animated clip into this part of the movie. Let's tie it back somehow. Why did they do it? It was so bad. Yeah, it was so unnecessary. It was. It was really bad. It was just. Uh, we got some questions because of uh, regarding what you asked here. Uh, we got some questions, or rather, uh, some answers to my question, which was favorite scene from the film. Okay. Uh, one person says all scenes uh, with Rorschach, Rorschach's first kill, and Night Owl's no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the owl ship sex scene. Someone said Night Owl too. Actually, said the owl ship sex scene. There we go. Um, Anything with the comedian, Rorschach's death, uh, the no, um, Night Owl and Rorschach versus Ozymandias, and the uh, Mike says the end credits, mm-hmm. uh, Rorschach Which he didn't in the see lunchroom. He turned it off. Do it from Rorschach. Do it in his death scene. Um, not a scene per se, but Doctor Manhattan's origin is un- and yeah, I agree. Yeah, that origin scene was actually pretty dope. Yeah, and uh, the. <laughs> The slow-mo Zack Snyder opening. And you know what? That's another thing I wanted to ask you about. What did you think about that that intro, that opening sequence? I thought it was cool. I thought it That's kind one of, that has like a Dylan – the Dylan song. Playing, it had, right? Well, so are we talking about before that? Because before that we have the whole the whole fight and then you have the, the, 
the smiley face thing and the blood and all that, right? So w- when you say intro, do you mean yeah, no, 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 the the credits scene where it's oh, like the that was way the cool. time is time has changed. That was way cool. We had kind of like the tea stunt, tea stunt, tea stain, sepia kind of thing going. I love that. I thought that was really enjoyable, and I thought that the the part before that was cool too. You know, where it was kind of like the zoom in or zoom out, kind of like Alan Moore does. Right, right. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, um, I thought that was a lot of fun. You know, it kind of kind of spoke to like a simpler time, and just like he did in the comic where. Things weren't as complicated. They didn't have nuclear weapons, you know, and it was just good guys and bad guys. Here we have that. It was kind of fun. They do some neat nods. They have like uh, – th- there's a little subtle scene of Night Owl punching out a dude, which I have the scene pulled up here. And you see in the background um, what are obviously supposed to be um, Batman's parents, the Waynes. And there's a uh, little Batman posters in the background here or, or whatever their play they're seeing. So he's supposed to be like he stopped the murder of Batman's parents. And prevented Batman from becoming real, but he's Night Owl, who's basically a proxy for did him. Did you notice this, or did you see it on Reddit? Uh, I, I saw that on Reddit, but uh, I, I don't like, mean to call you out. I was just curious. I feel like I, when I, I saw this in the beginning, this. I didn't notice this. I think that when I saw it in the beginning, I, I did notice it. Damn, but cool. Uh, anyway, I, I just like going through that, like how how that played to Zack Snyder's sensibilities of these kind of slow mo shots, and they're all really iconic scenes. I feel like that's his bread and butter. Yeah. And he was best able to exemplify that in his intro credit sequence. Totally. But I mean, we would see these super sweet kind of artistic lunging scenes in 300 that worked so well. There were this contra jour kind of thing where the light was really hard. It right. worked really well. And that was some of the most enjoyable parts of 300. And this kind of was like that. You slow it down, concentrate on one thing, one motion. It's done really well. I thought that was done really, really well. Yeah. But, you know, that's. We could have done a 15-minute web thing on Funny or Die or something. We didn't need this. Right. Whatever. So that's – um. there was – there's some other issues I had in okay. this movie. Um, one of our, our favorite scenes that we liked discussing when we were going through the comic was the therapist. Yeah. Um, that scene was really rushed. Yeah. And it was just like – one therapy session, and by the end of it, the therapist goes, I can't help him, and, like, walks out. I'm like, the fuck was that? Like, for yeah. something that was, like, given a lot of consideration in the book, there's, like, three or four visits. It's, it's all within one comic issue. But, like, he keeps going back, and, like, he's he thinks he's kind of peeling apart the layers until it seems like Rorschach is breaking him down. Like, that had so much more power and weight and, like, was revealing about the Rorschach character than what they gave us here. And I was like, why did they do that? And the thing is, to make that a good scene, you don't have to spend millions of dollars on CGI. No. You literally have to tell the character, hey, right there, hold that for an, hold that silence for an extra three seconds and let it smolder. You know? Right. Let like let there be a pregnant pause for three seconds so we can get a little bit anxious. Like if you've ever been pulled over by a cop and he answers you like a second and a half too, you know, long. Uh, you know, he waits like a second and a half to answer you instead of instead of half a second to respond to you. Yeah. And you're kind of sitting there and that second seems like a millennium because you're like, what the fuck is he thinking? Does he smell anything? Does he do? You know what I mean? That's what they could have done here. And it would have been so easy just to let them wait an extra two seconds between each response. And they don't do it. And I just fundamentally don't understand that. It was such a shitty scene. It was so boring. It was like you're saying. It was so, you know, form or whatever over style over substance. Right. It was just like, why couldn't he have realized that? But on the flip side, 
they added in a scene that totally wasn't in the comic where during the prison break. Yeah, yeah. He once hides, he breaks he out, he goes – he breaks into uh, the evidence room or whatever the uh, – and he's like, where's my mask to that guy, to the therapist? And the therapist is there cowering and he takes and pulls down his mask and then says, now tell me what you see. And I was like, fuck, that is a great line. That was awesome to see. It's it's a huge payoff, I thought, yeah. for uh, for an otherwise undeserving uh, scene with that character. Like, that would have had so much more weight if that therapy scene was better. But it was still really awesome, like, having him pull on the mask and say that line. That was a line they came up with. It wasn't in, in the original book. And I was like, that was such a good scene. Yeah. No, I, bet, I think you're right. I bet Alan Moore was kicking himself like, shit, I should have come Damn. up with that. Like, then rather than him having to go fish out the mask, his second mask from elsewhere. Yeah, rather than have the therapist go home and have dinner and, you know, like talk to his wife and stuff. Yeah, right. just do that. No, that, that, that was a cool scene. You're right. Um, yeah. The violence there was also pretty brutal. Um when he's uh, oh god pouring uh, the oil on that guy uh, in that, and I could not watch them cutting off the the hands. It was just I mean I can't handle gratuitous violence. Right, um, I, I turned away for that one. Oh, or like when he's uh, chopping that guy's head. Oh yeah, no, that, that's like, another one. Yeah. What I did take from that though, like when you read the story in the comic, it doesn't feel like Rorschach. It doesn't feel so earned when it's talking about like he. That's the one that broke him. That's the one that made him have his big mental break. Um, but here I got it. At first I didn't. I'm like, okay, you've probably seen a bunch of crimes or whatever. But the the quavering in the voice that was going on with Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach and like him just unable to cope with like the absolute inhumanity, the brutality of what this guy just nonchalantly did to this girl. And the, and the, the fact that he just – Kind of hides behind the social justice system saying, arrest me. And he's just like, no, and just fucking butchers him. I'm like, I I believe it. Like, I see how you are now the person that that we see in the comics and and, and, in the movie here. And there's a couple things like this and the pulling on the mask scene that I thought – Zack Snyder sold better than the comic, or like he was able to make an, an it's adaptation. E- it's a play easier off of to it. do. You're right. It, it, it is easier to do violence whenever you're dealing with something that's live rather than something that's drawn. You know, but right. yeah, you're, you're completely right. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't watch that, but it made sense. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a few other notes. I was just going to run through yeah. real quick. Um, Nixon looking like Dick Tracy was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I, I don't know what they were doing. There's so many more better lookalikes. I mean, didn't Saddam Hussein have like four or five? Lookalikes? Uh, yeah, that I was, guess so. You know, what what's going on? Anyway. His, his doppelgangers? Yeah, we could have done better. It looked so awful. I was just thinking, like, uh, what was that movie, uh, Nixon, Frost Nixon or whatever? Yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. That, Question. You looked great there. Diana and I were talking about this. You might, know the, you might know the answer. In a movie when they need, like, a baby, I'm talking baby, baby, infant. Yeah. How do they get a newborn? Who who signs up their kid? Is it like just a you're like oh you might even know that has a newborn legally? My understanding is that they're just not allowed to film them at, uh, until they're at least like six weeks old. So what they'll do is they'll get a like a preemie that like grew until six weeks, and then they'll like butter them up with a bunch of oil or whatever. They just have to. But how do the parents? How do they fi- literally find these babies? Do parents put their kids on a website, a database? Hollywood baby. 
<laughs> people people want to they they just go uh, hit up people at the hospital or pe- people that are about to have a baby and they're like, hey, would you sign up for your baby if after they're born to be able to be on this thing? Yeah, man, this is amazing. Okay, all yeah. right, thanks. Question asked. Uh, I wanted to ask you how you feel about the sugar cubes. We didn't see them. Yeah, we didn't see them. And what I think it was hell? a huge oversight. I know that people are against littering these days, and I get it. Would the movie have been better if there had been some sugar cubes? Well, I think I actually talked to you before we did this podcast, and I said, let's do the sugar cube rating. Instead of five stars, we got five cubes. So how many cubes? And, and I just mean to say, that's how much I think about the cubes in my life day to day. I like I like this rating idea, and yeah. So, are we going to rate this? Well, we don't have to do it now, but I'm just, I, I just meant to set that up. Like, At the end, we're going to rate this. Okay, I just with, meant to say that's how central the cubes are to me, and the fact they didn't even make an appearance here. Well, I mean, he was eating the cold beans, but he's not eating the cubes, right? Where's the cubes? Come on, Snyder, give me some sweet. Uh, okay, the um, the scene with, with the prison breakout where they have the door swinging back and forth, yeah, and you can see into it as he's approaching the guy, yeah. It was really cool. Yeah, it was done well. It was, it was, uh, they probably did like one or two beats too many. Like it probably should have like swung twice and I would have gotten it. And they did it like four times. Yeah, "Eh, because I was, I was watching it and I thought, oh, this is cool. And then I'm sure Zack Snyder also thought, oh, this is cool. I'm going to show off here. And so he does it too long. Again, he's like a little baby. (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, that handshake that we really liked between Rorschach and Night Owl. It was w- not a thing here. It wasn't as awkward. It was kind of normal. They kind of looked down for a second in surprise, but it wasn't like he was holding on too long. My favorite musical cue was actually all along the Watchtower when they hit that note. Yeah. Right as um, uh, Dr. Manhattan's like, okay, let's go back to Earth to yeah. uh, Laurie. And then we see the sweet-ass uh, uh, Archie flying through Antarctica and it's like dun 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 yeah so good yeah that was cool it was done well it was a great and necessary song to have in there anyway but oh what a great beat um let's see there's a I, I feel like that pretty much covers it they did change it to um I hear that Ronald Reagan is gonna run yeah and why, did, why did they do that that whole denouement was not good no I I don't know. They ha- they had Lori say the line "Nothing ever ends" instead of uh, Doctor Manhattan, Manhattan. Yeah. and I feel like that completely undercut the weight of him saying that. Like it was supposed to be this moment of of self doubt with Ozymandias when he's like, "Did I do the right thing? I I, I ended every I ended it right. I ended the conflict." And then Doctor Manhattan's like, "Nothing nothing ends. Nothing ever ends." Yeah. And it's like, how how could you think that? that everything's going to cycle back. It, we're all blips, but everything's going to cycle. Anyway, that's yeah. uh, that was the one part of has Also, just what a mistake. How many cubes? I would give this... Out of five. Out of five? It would have been lower before. I'm going to give it three. I'm going to give it three cubes. Okay. I actually thought it's a little bit better than half. It, it's a solid... There's... There are some beautiful scenes that are cut right from the comic and just translated. The people that do the set decor and the lighting and the special effects and all this, they did a fantastic job. You know, do you remember like making dioramas when you were a kid? Yeah. If you had one of these people as your parents, do you think your diorama would have been the best? Hell yeah. Yeah, of course. That would have been sweet. You get the leg up. I would hope they would teach me though. Yeah. I Carry on the craft. Right. I... I mean, I was going to do a two 
just because I thought it was just so boring. But again, you're right. And looking at some of this, this, the early concept art and everything like that, I think, yeah, I think a three is justified. And that's fine. But again, it just goes to show that a three you're not really excited to see. A three is kind of like, like I think about this, right? If there's a cable rewatchable, and that means that you're going to have to watch the commercials. Just think about cable in the old days. You know, so, so this is actually a fascinating test. Yeah. Yes. So it's like, okay, will I watch this for three and a half hours? Will I watch a two-hour movie for three and a half hours on a Sunday afternoon when I could be doing something else? Right. Would this be in a three is not a cable rewatchable. Like I would watch like John Wick 2, of course, because that's a five. And I would spend another hour and a half watching commercials. But I, would I don't not think I would this. watch anything as a cable rewatchable. But that, the 2019. I would seek it out. That's 2019. I know. Yeah. Um, man. No, I, I – do I need to drop it down? I, I, I agree, but, but I'm I saying, feel I'm like – saying a cable rewatch like must be a four or five. I, a four would be a rewatch and a five is like a rewatch every day. A five is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, right? Oh, yeah. That's, that maybe is a six. I don't even know. Um, but, well, but, but I don't know because you say – I mean that, that, this is a different topic and I'll just say it really quickly. A great film is not necessarily one you can watch every day. Like I think that Silence by Scorsese is like one of the best movies I've ever seen. But do I necessarily want to watch that every day? Fuck no. My favorite show of all time, The Leftovers, right. other than Frasier, do I want to watch season one every day? I never want to watch that again. So you're right that, okay, a five is not necessarily you want to rewatch all the time, but a five is like artistic merit and or watchability. I'm going to drop it down to 2.75. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can't do cube. The cubes, has to, they have to consist of an entire cube. Fine. I'll give it a three. Fine. I'll, I'll give, give it a three. I'll give it a three. You give it a three. What was Daredevil? <laughs> Daredevil's a show. one. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. What was Snakes on a Plane? Snake. I never watched it. That's the only movie I've ever left in the theater. Really? Yeah. Okay, never watched it. You never watched it? But Samuel Jackson doesn't say no to a, a script. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it all comes around. Uh, we have a couple questions I okay. wanted to get to before we wrap up this episode. And if you guys want to go ahead and follow us over on Instagram, you can follow us at Watchman. And there you can go ahead and uh, ask us questions. Whatever. Slide into Grant's we're, DMs. We're, we're going to be uh, probably putting up question posts every week before the episode comes out so you guys can ask us questions. Uh, while we do the episodes, because we're going to be uh, talking about these. We're going to be talking about every episode of The Watchmen as it comes out on HBO um, that night, right after it drops. Will, do we, do we it know like a should specific, be ready for you in the morning. Do we know a specific time we're doing that? Um, so that people, if people want to watch on the oh, TV. Oh, if we're going to live stream. Yeah. Man, I don't know. I feel like. I might be in my gym jams on a Sunday night. I feel like 10 p.m. might be good. This is 10 p.m. Central? 10 p.m. Central? Central Standard? Yeah. We could do this. We could do this kind of setup. This would work. Yeah. If you guys want to tune in, you can follow along with us. We can discuss it. We'll be in our pajamas. You could it's even. A school night. You can even uh, drop some comments here on the live stream, which uh, we've gotten a couple, and that's pretty cool. So, uh, hello to everyone who's on the live stream. And let's okay. But anyway, if you guys go to Instagram, follow us there. You can ask us questions there as well. And our first question comes to us from the minimal nerd who says. What do you think of songs used in the movie? I mean, we kind of addressed this already, but yeah. I think for the most part, I liked it. It was this Americana element that kind of gave this m- movie some legitimacy in a way. Um, I overall, I'd say like an 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10. I liked them a lot. Uh, all right. This next question, Clay, is definitely for you. 
Um, what's the influence of Bob Dylan's music on the creation of Watchmen itself? What do you think about that? How do you think he influenced Alan Moore in in creating Watchmen? Well, we know obviously with Dylan's lyrics and everything, it's questioning authority. I mean, the whole the whole sixties, early seventies. I mean, even. Earlier in th- than that, we know that Bob Dylan's biggest inspiration on his guitar had, you know, this machine kills fascists. So we know that that's about questioning authority and questioning people who will monopolize and bottleneck power and take power for yourself. And kind of this land, I mean, Guthrie, this land is our land, was kind of this idea about sharing and not this weird nativism that was going around after, after well, this was – earlier than World War II. But, you know, this idea about sharing the world, sharing the land, sharing resources, it's blah, 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 all the stuff that hopefully we've, we're still working on as a society today. And, you know, we can point to specific lyrics with Dylan, but just generally speaking, yeah, questioning authority, a little bit of a conspiracy kind of thing and on some of Dylan's stuff like subterranean, et cetera, you know. Um, but just generally speaking, I think that kind of counter to the 1950s Eisenhower crew cut haircut thing where America's always right Oh, first the Russians were our ally, allies in World War II. Now they're our enemies. We're always at war with Euro- East Asia or whatever, you know, the 1984 kind of bullshit. So I think that, yeah, I mean, you can see that Dylan – without Dylan, there would not be this Watchmen comic. You know, without this 1960s counterculture questioning authority, and thank God they did, um, with these crazy things like even thinking about miscegenation laws and not being able to marry someone of a different race, which is insane, that people were questioning back then, we would not have Watchmen. And I think that we decide – I'm sorry to keep going. We wouldn't be married men. We would not. <laughs> so we – you know, and I think you talked about it too at the end of 12 – was it 11 or 12 when, you know, who are – who's watching the Watchmen, right? And it is this idea of of – who is making all the decisions and should they be making the decisions? You said, look, everyone on the streets of New York, they're just trying to help out. Right. They, they, they go through life and yeah, there are scuffles and there's conflict, but they all rush to help each other. They don't rush to shut it down. And the wealthy with their power, you know, uncontrolled power, unchecked power, they decide to just drop a bomb. I mean, you know, it wasn't a bomb. It was like tachyons or whatever and kill millions of people. Right. And so it's that idea. And I think that kind of speaks to Dylan and also or I mean, this speaks on Dylan and it kind of continues that. Thank God. What do you think? I agree. I don't know much about Dylan itself himself. I, I never really listen to music. Yeah. I feel like maybe I should remedy that. But well, who tell me, tell me, tell me your favorite artist in the last. Uh... Uh, Maroon 5. Yeah, I cool. love Maroon Five. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, okay, cool. Do we have any other questions? Let's we got, we going. got, we got one last question. Is this about Savash and why he wasn't featured more prominently on the last episode? No, but it is Swole Sauce Incorporated. Yes, okay, Swole my Sauce favorite. Back. Which director do you think would have done an equal or better job with this film? What do you think Moody would say? You would say anyone director butts yeah, or yeah, something exactly. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> see more butts. <laughs> Hi, Moody. Uh, now, I feel bad because this is obviously my favorite listener slash viewer, and I don't have an answer because I don't know directors. Man. So you, you go. Okay. I'll, I'll start off. Uh, Who did Waterboy? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll start off. <laughs> Let's just mute your mic. Uh, man, I would say my go-to person, like one of my favorite directors, is uh, Alfonso Cuaron. And he's the one who he. I always I always point this out. He's the one who did the third Harry Potter, the uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, which so I thought sweet. was awesome. It so was so sweet. It was the yeah. It was the first deviation from the Christopher Columbus being like really slavish to the material, and I thought it worked out. 
really well. And I appreciate when directors aren't constrained by the material and the world that that built as long as they understand the concepts, the, the core behind it. And that's what that's what Kieran was able to do. He was able to translate um, the world of Harry Potter and modernize it, make it feel real. And he kind of set the whole franchise on a new trajectory with his with the way he stepped in and kind of changed things around. And so yeah. I I would love to see what that guy would have done with this same material, the performances he would have done. Whereas Zack but it was Snyder still loves... loyal. It was still loyal to the source material, which was great because he struck that balance between right. being loyal but also doing his own quirky thing. Right. I yeah. mean, fuck, give me Lindelof. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting my favorite guy right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, sure. he's not a director, of course. He's he's a showrunner. But, um, man, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. And tell the tell – because the, I didn't know about this until maybe a couple years ago from you. Obviously, a showrunner – is for television, right? And tell and and why and what's going on there? Why the different? Why the different terminology? Oh, uh, well, with a television show, they ended up kind of branching off and, and etching out a role for a person who has the one central vision, and he's going to maintain he or she is going to maintain the consistent vision for mm-hmm. the show across all episodes. Um, writing out the the Bible for what the characters all need to be, what their arcs are going to be throughout a season, uh, especially when shows started transforming into being um, more serial instead of episodic. Yeah, they wanted to make that transition, and like it, the prominence of of showrunners being known by uh, audiences, and like they now like nurture their babies is a much more. Of a modern iteration in the television. This is our, this is our vision. Right, yeah. right. So it's like now you get showrunners who pitch their own show and then they get to carry out that from beginning to end rather than there being like a show that kind of comes up by, by committee. Yeah, and we and used to have like – You I mean, pass it off to other people to kind of like run that and you go start a new show or whatever. And some really great shows. I mean like let's look at like some early kind of – not early but like let's look at Cheers. Right. You could take season three Cheers and watch either episode four or – or episode 15, and it doesn't matter which one comes first. Right. You know, but it, obviously whenever something becomes more serious and serialized, like you're saying, you need to actually have a consistent vision. Anyway, I thought – I didn't know about that. Just sharing it with the listeners or viewers because I didn't know about that. Yeah, and uh, so the showrunner will not only um, work with the writer's room. They'll, you know, kind of cast out like what, here's the entire season. Here's the arc. So we're going to hit all the beats. Um, then, then they'll say this is going to be the story for this episode. You go ahead and they'll assign it out to different writers, so like writer sets. Be like, yeah, you write this episode, you write this episode, you write this episode. Bring it back to me. I'm going to do my master edits and I'm going to like rewrite half of it, whatever. Yeah. It depends on like what they get from different people. Um, but they're kind of yeah, they're the master director. They're, they're seeing through the entire vision. Then they'll also sometimes go in on set and be like, they'll work with actors. And be like, no, actually, here's your particular motivation. Like Mike mm-hmm. Schur is one of my favorite ones. Okay. Mike Schur is a guy who does um, – he does The Good Place, which you, I know you don't like. Um, but uh, he also worked with Parks and Rec. He did uh, The Office as well um, or worked alongside. He was one of the writers there. And I think he's fantastic yeah. with everything that he does. And, yeah, he talks about like how he just like – he collaborates with all his, his writers and has this vision and um, it makes it a really open environment for it. I think it's really nice. cool. You know, I don't know if I've told you this enough, but to me, you're my showrunner. That nice. So, did we have so any other? Corny. Did we have any other questions? Are we going to address anything before the show starts? Are we doing anything else for the next week? 
You know what? Um, I was thinking we we have twelve. We have a no, not twelve. We, we, we have a guest. Days. We have a guest, a, a friend. I want to bring in to talk about um, his experience with working on the movies uh, back in the late nineties, early oh, nice. aughts, before this version iteration got made. Um, I think that'd be really cool to chat with him about yeah. that. Uh, we'll see if I, I'm able to schedule that in before this. But otherwise, maybe we should do a little bit of a, a recap, or we'll just kind of go into this fresh. You know, I'm I'm excited to just watch this pilot, watch it with you, and just turn on the cameras, yeah, I think turn we're, on the audio, and just talk about it. I think I am too, and I think that we might have one or two things for our Patreon, our Patreon patrons, right. Uh, until then, right? Maybe in the next week and a half. So if anybody wants to support us on Patreon, that would be sweet. And you'll have access to the goods. Patreon.com slash WhoPodsAWatchman. Go there and make a per-month pledge, actually. It used to be per-episode, or I always thought it was, but it was actually per-month. So you can give us $2 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month. You can uh, kind of set your limit of what you want to give us per month, and we put a little bonus exclusive content in there just for you guys. We'll have little discussions of, like, here's other things that we recommend that you guys be checking out after Watchmen, or um, here's the different characters and how they relate to different junk foods or yeah. <laughs> whatever right. we might talk about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, go help support us. If you guys like what you're hearing, uh, we would love to have you guys there helping us out. And we will try to make that worth your money. And again, if it's $2, it doesn't have to be worth much. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just get up and just blabber. We will phone it the fuck in. No. Yeah, I'm just going to like clean my glasses for 20 <laughs> minutes a week. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. So uh, cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And again, I think for people who don't know, I think you do know if you're listening or watching, the show is going to start when? October 20th, next Sunday. On HBO. On HBO. So either have your subscription ready or have your parents' account ready or and, yeah. somewhere. People are people are getting their HBO for free somehow. Yeah, let's share. So, and you know, in HBO, the letters H-I-B-O-U is owl in French. Night owl. HBO. Hibou. Something to think about. I had the camera on me the whole time. <laughs> I just realized. So people saw you, how, me how impressed you were. looking at you going, what? Like, why aren't we wrapping this up? <laughs> All right. Well, hey, look, I had fun. Thank you very much for making me watch this movie. Actually, no, I don't know about that. You know, I'm glad I got out of the way. Yeah, it's done. It's a it's a done deal. Uh, folks, want to thank you so much for checking in and tuning in this week. We'll be back next week, of course, to talk about the brand new first episode the premiere of Watchmen on HBO we're super excited to have you guys join us and until then goodbye bye bye the watchman who pods the watchman who pods the watchman who pods the watchman oh yeah who pods the watchman who pods the watchman who pods the watchman who pods the watchman just pardon 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 that's what we do just pardon 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 direct to you <laughs>